The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hit me. <laughs> there you are. Ah, a Sav Blanc poured this morning. It, sound, it did oh, sound like Moomatin District Sauvignon Blanc. It did. It sounded good after a week off of podcasting. A week? Yeah. But, hey, Brian, where have you... Well, Brian, yeah, you've been... You were in Hawaii? Where were you? Giants no, games? Giants games. Hey, work, and you know what? Work, 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 work. work. Deep if in the... Any of those listeners the out here that the are... Sonoma Fairmont Mission Inn. Right. Any listeners out there that are Dodgers fans? Please stop listening now. Turn this one off. You're not going to. The wind. The wind. The wind. The Mistral. I love the look of Chavez. Just blew right through Chavez Ravine. I I, I love the look on. Who was it that hit that last shot? Lux. I mean, first of all, I mean, no, I'm not going to say it. It wasn't a guarantee. It wasn't the. It wasn't a. You know, it was a well hit ball, but it wasn't a guarantee no, on, a just, on a normal. The look day. on his face, like like he had been robbed. Well, and, he he was. Well, but well, that's the game to, too. It's called Thank baseball. You. Thank you. It's played outside. <laughs> I mean, really shit feel. happens. Sam, you sat. You it was went to all game. Park oh. as a kid. You know, I mean, you know, how many games did the, the Giants the win and lose because of the same wins that were our red flag warning and that are you know. There you go. It was. Uh, I like that some of the guys from the Giants were saying when they used to play Candlestick that they would literally, like pitchers were saying, we'd just be standing on the mound and we would get blown over sometimes. Like they, they kind of would stumble. I'd, I, I've, that happened last night with You Shirts, know, I'm fairly low center of gravity and I've been blown over in those wins for sure. I, I mean, I, I can I can vis- visibly remember going to Candlestick and watching games where they're, you know, simple pop-ups – and the wind blows, and, and guys are chasing it around. So, so you um, know it's in the upper deck. Yeah, it's kind of like playing. It's kind of like playing football right. outside in the winter. Green Bay. Yeah, surprising, huh? Chicago. Oh, uh, hey, Chicago actually I, okay. won on the road, and uh, we went down. But hey, it's, I'm I'm happy with everything. I'm Giants are awesome to watch. It's a lot of fun. What about them Raiders? And uh, should we actually say this is? Welcome to the winemakers. Oh, yeah. oh what are we doing? Oh. Wait, you've been recording this whole time? <laughs> yeah, the Raiders coach opening, resigned. Baby. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> right. We got nothing to say there. Football. Wow. Hey, it's all okay. Yeah. What are we drinking this morning? This just tasted uh, beautiful. Brian is... wanted something cold and white to oh, start it's out. Nice. Uh, this is 2017 Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Moon Mountain District. Um, 16600. Where is this vineyard? I uh, can't tell you. Okay. I know. What, have then I know you? where it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's the only one that I can't talk about by process right. of elimination. No, no, it's, it's exactly what you think it is. And, and it's probably why it's not an every year 
Exactly. This was, uh, and this was like, I think, I think 17 was the year that we did, um, like almost nine months in Oak. Um, this was bottled in like July of 18. Um, and probably some new Oak. This is very like that, you know, the, the, the Phil Kateri, Eric Bradley, um, brain child on this was to sort of like make a Didier Dagano Silic style SB. Wow. I know Lassiter's doing that too, but they're putting a little semillon and then using a little oak too. Yeah. Just tried that the other day. Trying to rich it up. How do you like it? It's good. Are you saying Brian wants more Brian wants more acidity. Brian wants more gravel, less oak. There was a little muscay in there too. A little lemon curdy. Well, he always you have a unique taste. That's it. You like stuff like that. You. Mm. Well, I'm on a, I'm on a mission right now to get all the Phil Coturi wines on the list. So, well, we, we just got our got new Lassiter. around here. New harvest shirts. So we'll go pull the harvest shirt out and look at the list. Sweet. I mean, if you really, because if you, you know, it's all the Napa cab that comes from Oakville Ranch. Got to get some. Tony Biaggi, some yep. some Patria, Patria, mm-hmm. Patria, Patria, whatever right, that is. Yep, right, yep. Some Andy Erickson, Favia, yep. Dakota Shy. I don't even know if you can buy those wow. for restaurants. Uh, well, well you can list, do Fairmont though. Sonoma Mission. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Throw all weight around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, were you guys out in the wind yesterday? Um, up on the mountains at all? On the hills? I mean, it was wild at our place in the city. I mean, we've been bombarded with these freaking giant acorns for the last 48, it's 72 a, it's hours a, It's going to be a good acorn harvest again this year. Um, well, the, the, the old farmers, i.e. Phil, um, say that big acorn years are precursors of big rain years. So, yeah, except last year was a big acorn year. Was it? Also. Okay. Yeah. Nothing well, like this year. Throw that the fuck man. out. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like this year. I mean, we've just we've been bombarded. There's yeah. been no sleep for the last three nights. It's crazy. These high I winds. Like when they're like on a road, and you drive by, and it, you know, it kind of sounds like somebody's shooting at you or something. As you drive over them, <laughs> drive and they're by. all popping under your right. tires. Right. You don't live in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> there are name drive like Kevin bys. Kevin Burns, what's going on here? <laughs> God. Well, hey, again, a beautiful day here. It's stunning. I love this weather, man. It's turning into fall, and we really didn't have fall last year, did we? No, it went from smoke to dry winter. Strange year, right. wasn't it? There was not. There was no like fall. Like, go get your pumpkin spice latte. Put on a sweatshirt vibes. <laughs> no, no, because spice. watch college football. Be, yeah, because outdoors. of that. And and then, you know, but even this year, it's it, this has been a weird weather year i mean it's been really nice but we didn't have you know what we would used to call indian summer where you know end of september october it would get up over 100 degrees for maybe a day or two um we had you know we definitely had some like 90s right we had a few stretches where it was getting into the 90s but but it's also been it's been colder at night in the mornings, I mean, you know, we've definitely had more fog. Just, I just mean in the than the past couple of years. So, that's kind of encouraging for me. Yeah, it's um, well, things are kind of like flipped upside down. Totally. Um, and that's you know, kind of people ask what the the story of this harvest is. It's this like reverse sort of situation where you know we're 
picked out of almost everything in the Moon Mountain District, uh, and you know, still have Rossi, still have uh, you know, Steel Plow Vineyard, still have Lassiter stuff to pick. Um, well, and I th- I think you know, it's all floor that should have been pick- that would have been picked out earlier right. than the other stuff. Right. It's not that it's late. Right. But it usually is ahead of the everything else. Well, and and I think Sam, like we were talking, you know, I mean, there's still Carnero Shard sitting out there. Right. Um, I saw I was perusing wine business monthly and just kind of seeing what grapes were still for sale in Sonoma counties and mm-hmm. stuff. How do you like to be sitting on forty three tons of um, forty three tons of Pinot at twenty five bricks um, at on October twelfth? Um, it's not moving. It's not going anywhere. I mean, I mean nobody's obviously buying it. Yeah, it's, Ouch. I mean, I guess the the thing probably is, right. is, I mean, twenty five is, is where you probably want to pick that, right? And and although kind of late to be ripe, right? And then um, Pinot's still a pretty hot commodity. Um, you would think on a short year, yeah. that that stuff would have all been bought up. Although There's maybe be something pretty wrong with it. Yeah, or maybe the bottom feeders are. Just lowballing everybody, and you know this guy's sticking with his money or his price. I don't know. Well, he won't be doing that very long. Well, I mean, yeah. how long can he hang there? Well, I mean, it's the thing is this year, like, it probably will sit at twenty five for another right two or three weeks. Right, it'll just you know, it'll and, just lose it's acid. Right. It yeah. just it's just sort of dehydrating slowly in this dry you know dry dry and cold right now. Right. It could it can sit there for a while. Yeah. It doesn't mean it'll make great wine. It doesn't sound like it probably mean it would have made great wine. If, right. Period. Um, if since it wasn't under a contract. Right. Not under contract. Probably cropped the hell out of it, which is why it's at twenty five bricks and not, you know. And well, there's no canopy. There's no like that's the biggest problem with this year, right? Is there's this drought year, vines that. Didn't no, no get, protection. Didn't huh? get you know enough. Well, there's just there's not enough leaves to photosynthesize to get you know to get ripeness in a place that's overcropped. You know the short shoots. Yeah. You know, just a, a and a drought year on and top. A drought of it. year on you know yeah. Did and you, and people will ask you know a drought year. Well, if you have if you have uh, drip irrigation, then is there such thing as a drought year? And by all means, there's still a drought year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can never make up in drip irrigation for what you get naturally from Mother Nature. Yeah. Did you see the article on the uh, front page, uh, I guess, uh, Press Democrat, about Mike Benziger and his total dedication now to uh, a new cannabis crop and how he's really bringing it in and, and taking care of the water and, and it's high quality this year and, and everybody's happy with that crop. But he's really getting a great um, persona going. <laughs> I mean, he really, the guy's... He's the come, man, the myth, the mystery. Seriously. Mike Benziger. It's, it's great to read, though. It makes a good story. It really does. The thing that's the most encouraging is that, like, um, Sonoma County has started to move forward with actual permitting and licensing and um sounds like there might even be you know more sort of not over the counter because there's no such thing but sort of closer to over the counter cottage industry kind of permits coming down the pipeline so that you know people who are great horticulturalists great farmers but aren't necessarily you know putting the type of you know don't have the type of investment to go into one of these big you know, let's face it, the way that, you know, cannabis 
farms are permitted and it's is almost factory farming you have to have you know all these um there's all these requirements that just like you know basically mean it has to have a huge investment and to have a huge investment you better have a huge crop and to have a huge crop you better you know be pumping it up so um hopefully the Mike Benzigers of the world doing things on more of a boutique yeah and he's way trying will, uh, he'd like to go kind of direct bring to that, consumer bring that culture around yeah, yeah that's that's the he'd only love way that what you have straight from the from the farmer to the consumer it's and they want yeah. more tours they think that that's going to really help um the business in general well it's i i have on you know the the discussion is and this is how you know, the wine tasting world sort of opened in the way it did in this region as it started with, you know, by appointment, limited tours that, you know, you'd go to a place and taste the wine and meet the grower, the winemaker and, and buy some and take some home. So that's, you know, that's the idea that they're trying to get to with the cannabis side. I don't know if they're totally there yet. The flip side, you know, if you have an appointment to meet with Mike Benziger, who's on the front page of the newspaper as like this guy growing pot, and he doesn't bring pot to the meeting that you have, like you're going to be pretty disappointed. So I think that um, the reality of the situation is probably that we're closer to that than than the regulations are ready for. And I saw that the city, despite the fact we have no dispensary, has already made a hundred thousand dollars this year from taxes and and just I I think collecting the fees. To apply for well, and I their think licenses. that um, if you get a deliver, I wonder if they're collecting money on like the deliveries because right now that's the only way you get legal cannabis. Yeah, it was in on, it you was get it delivered. The, the printed version of the Index Tribune at home. I, right. He's on the front page, and it's. I just like I like Mike. He's you know he's such a great character. Really is. Hey, have you been reading any? Um, actual heavy forecast for this uh, winter in terms of are we going to get the snow we need and I mean is there uh, El Nina La Nina was the the last thing I read which probably so dry. another dry and yet Farmer's Almanac says it's going to be a long cold uh, heavy snow winter for the rest of the country well that's kind of the, the like shift in balance that we see right is that um, when it, there's like the front, the big high, you know, high pressure sits over the West Coast and pushes the storms up over it through Canada and they drop down into the rest of the country with the moisture that we should be getting and cold air from the freaking Arctic and blast the rest of the country. And we were dry and sunny. Yeah, and I'm I'm just wondering if it's going to stay. You yeah, know, but so I was off. just flipping through the Farmer's Almanac, and that's their whole thing. It's like, it's it's going to be long and bad, but not for us. Not for this us. little sliver out here on the left coast. Yeah, I mean, I think to Sam's point is that the whole weather kind of cycle has changed on us. Like, like where 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 things hit the West Coast, you know, as it moves to the East Coast, it's it's hitting. The jet stream has moved and it's affecting everything. Yeah, yeah. we're all kind of. If you hear us mumbling about this wine that we just poured, we brought in. This is one of the fanciest bottles we've ever opened on the show. I'm pretty sure. And 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 I have to say that you know yeah, right. it is um, it it's one of the funniest looking bottles. There's uh, something strange. I just can't well, figure out. There's no punt underneath. There's no punt. 
There's no it's pun. Thin it's glass. Yeah. It's thin glass. It's, it's kind of uh, squatty. It's, it's kind of squatty and wide. It has a very short neck. So what's the story um, on this, you Brian? Know? Well, I mean, you guys know more about the history of this property, but I'll, I'll just say that I think I picked up this bottle at Grocery Outlet Bargain Market maybe three or four years ago. It probably cost me three bucks, but I thought it would be <laughs> interesting to try. I mean, it, um, Grand Cru is no longer, right? No, uh, no, it's right there. It's it yeah, is. It's still, owned by Grand Cru Winery. Is this? I mean, someone can correct me out there if I'm wrong. But Grand Cru is Fred Franzi. It's one of Fred Franzi's brands, and so they have a huge warehouse in Napa and Sonoma where they bottle product that's all made down somewhere south of um, here, probably somewhere in the Salinas Valley. So on that thought, because I think it, well, Franzi, I think mostly is out in like Modesto, right? Uh, but you know, and these are the like little things that you know. If you're in the wine industry, you read the back of a label in a different way than than maybe somebody else would. This is cellared and bottled by Grand Cru Vineyards, Napa and Sonoma, California. Yeah. Which so, I mean, Napa is, and I mean that means that means where the wine is bottled. That's really all right, it says. Right, exactly. And the fact that it says cellared means that it's also probably bulk wine that they bought from uh, other exactly. people, um, and they probably made some of it. You know, I'll, I'll share a story that. I've probably told on the podcast, but it's been long enough. There was an article one time talking to Fred Franzi on how does two buck chuck, how could they do it so cheap? And he talked about the fact that they have a standing order for a million cases of wine and a standing order for 12 million, I mean, not wine of bottles, right? And a standing order for 12 million corks and at any given time. But the thing that really got me is he said, he said, a matter of fact, he goes, our vineyard rows are so long that we save so much money on tractor tires because we don't have to turn. <laughs> there you go. Fucking that, counters. That, yeah. That, that's, that's, for, uh, that's for you, Rob Wildman. How about that one? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's the way that they think of it. So I'm sure this bottle, being what it is, was, you know, very inexpensive. Um, it would probably stand out on a shelf. Because it would look different than all the other ones. It, but, but tell it me is what, a premium. And then, and then on the bottom, on the bottom shelf premium. of a grocery store, it might actually look normal sized because you're looking down. You're looking at down. It. It's got like a little perspective thing. You take it home. You're like, what the hell is this short bottle I bought? Right. Um, like at Disneyland, when you you know the perspective where you think they're real big buildings. Do you think it's? Not. I mean, do you think it's target audience is supermarket shelves, or do you think a target audience is like? bottom tier by the glass at the dive bar and like and like yeah i think i've seen this roadside truck stop kind of like a himalayan restaurant you know that has beer and and three bottles of wine that you can have yeah it's a california red wine yeah that they pay what what does it say on the top line there premium Premium. Selection. Premium selection. Premium selection. It's like, you know. I'm going to start putting that on all my labels. <laughs> no, how about reserve? I'm going to reprint all my labels that are finally landing. Vintner's Reserve. Vintner's Reserve. I think that's taken. <laughs> well, if you guys, if you were in a blind tasting and you smelled this, what would I, I would think this was a Pinot. Like, I don't get a lot of I thought it was, actually. Yeah. Out of it. I know. I really did. It smells like a <laughs> cherry Pinot. Could be Syrah cropped it, you know, 14 tons to the acre. Well, you know, know, this is California Syrah. Does it have a vintage on it? It doesn't have a vintage on it. 14, I think. 
2014. But it's made in such volumes that um, it only has to be 25, 75% Syrah, right? Right. You know, it's the kind of thing where you get that guy who's got 43 tons of Pinot Noir down to a price that fits this program. And you're and just that's, filling And you're that's just, just cost tanks. averaging also. Right. Right? You, yeah, you yeah know, totally. You can still pick up that, you know, slightly more expensive fruit on the bulk market. Um, and if, you know, what we used to call it um, filler wine, you know. When yeah. you, it's got to be so much wine on that market. Honest to God, Bart. Well, it, 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 depend, it depends on the year. I mean, you can look up on the, the Ciotti website and see what's currently available. I mean, it, it just kind of depends. Is there a clearinghouse on online you can just look and say, all right, I need 50,000 gallons? Yeah, there's just brokers. You would yeah. call contact a broker. Uh, you know, as Syrah, this is absolutely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good If it had said Pinot Noir on the label, <laughs> right. and it was $4, right. You'd be like, wow, this is pretty good four dollar Pinot Noir, you know? It totally like is. You go to the dive bar and ask for a glass of red, you know, and this is what they pour, and you'd be pretty happy with it. At five well, Verano in, uh, yeah, ex- <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, the only problem that it really has in that market is that it was a cork and not a screw tap, right? So you know, part of this what we were going to do, and this is a, I think, a good segue. Q and A. Um, Q and A. Um, a dirty wine glass guy hit us with uh, several, but um, for someone not in the wine, not in wine, what cost that goes into the bottle would most surprise us, or surprise us the most? Compliance. Well, there you go. Compliance. How also, much it costs? Sam. How much it costs to be to just the legal side of it? Right. The fees. The, the license. Fees, fees. Tracking. You know the the people who. The spec, you know, their job is specifically making sure that that stuff is legal, especially with bigger brands. You know, it's yeah. entire compliance departments, departments yeah, um, devoted to that. That's a, a total hidden cost. Um, what else? Uh, you know, I think just in what we're going to find out right now is, I think we're all going to find out that how much um, the cost of glass and uh, and labels is going to go up, you know, as Sam's mentioned a couple of times. And I ha- I've been hesitating calling my label company because I'm afraid of what they're going to say. Um, there's a huge paper shortage. Well, did you? It was the. I the, saw it, yeah. This and it was in the the wine business. I feel very vindicated by this. My paper, my my labels, as we uh, are recording, my labels are being delivered today. Uh, this is, you know, well done on the label company. They told me it'd be October 19th, but that was, of course, after they told me it'd be sometime in late July and then assured me it would be sometime in early September. Uh, so now um, they said it was the 19th and it's showing up on the 12th. And I'm like, oh, awesome. They're a week early. Right. Uh, um, Shout out Paragon sh- Labels. Uh, no, it wasn't, Par- it wasn't Paragon. Oh, sorry. It was uh, Fortis Solutions. Um, they have the best printer but the worst paper suppliers apparently um so yeah today in the wine business daily email the lead story is napa valley register about the paper shortage uh, and how it's affecting specifically wine labels and there's you know all these different reasons one of the most interesting ones that i saw um was in the increase in all of the like mail order online shipping and delivery with the pandemic um 
the stock of like adhesive bowl paper or some other word that they use the stuff that you know can be print print ready and stuck onto things all went to like the amazons of the world to print mailing labels and to print papers you know boxes slap them on corrugated man corrugated and ship them all over the world so um and it sounds like you know these problems aren't going to sort of sort themselves out until sometime in 2022 so you might want to call that label company yeah in fact i'm going to try as much as i can to be ready for everything for our april bottling like have those labels ready to go right now so right. you can get into the queue and just get them printed whenever you freaking can find a place to keep are them there silk the screeners around here i used to collect those in france i mean anything that was bottle printed I, I yeah I, I mean silk there, there's a silk screener or a, a, a company in napa that you know bakes on it um, but but that that's a whole nother thing, John. I mean, you, 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 that you're completely abandoning a paper label, and you're you're having to actually redesign your label because it's not as simple as just oh, yeah. it doesn't translate. Yeah. So, and um, then you have to get your numbers really really close, otherwise yeah. you can you know because. Once you print that bottle, it can't be used for anything except for the wine that you said was going to be in it. Because right? of the vintage date. Vintage date and... And, 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 and the back text. Right. And, everything. You know, yeah. Everything. So that's that's really difficult. I, I just and, 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 like and then you have you have to order it ahead of time even that much more. So, yeah. um, And then the question is, is what about shipping... Um, shipping packaging? Holy um, cow. You know? So, shipping costs have gone, yes. have gone way up. Shipping costs have gone away up, and, and you know, hopefully there's no shortage on cardboard and pulp. Um, it's probably coming. But it's probably coming. It's so, probably coming. so therefore, place your orders early. Right. Get your Thanksgiving <laughs> orders in now. Yep. Think um, about those holiday gifts. Bart, you got your email out, right? I did get my email out, <laughs> Sam. Just right on the heels of yours. Just a couple days later. <laughs> Just a bit outside. I think that, cardboard will be fine because we've been... I think... Because we've been recycling a, it for years. No, I think what'll... Part of the problem was with a lot of the stuff that is back ordered now is that we didn't use it for a while and then to to ramp up production again. So like paper, everyone was using QR codes in the restaurants. You had companies that didn't have people in the office, right? So everything's going right. through email. They're Zooming. Right. Um, they're not putting out. I mean, we, we didn't put out, but now we're starting to buy paper again, you know, for menus. And um, I think part of it is just the start and stop. Of, of yeah, well, and I think there was a lot of, um, you know, and, and I can't really necessarily blame any people or industries, but I think that a lot of people reacted to what they expected the pandemic to do economically and demand side wise, uh, and and then the opposite happened. You know, that's the lumber prices, which have kind of like come back down and stabilized a little bit, but all the lumber mills cut back on production and you know yeah. we're short you know go, doing skeleton staffs and all these things to deal with pandemic stuff thinking that you know there wouldn't be the demand for new construction materials and yeah. instead everybody was sitting at home going god i really need to build an office yeah. i need to like build a space away from my family <laughs> that i can separate and and you know all this all this construction that happened um well then i so, think with um one of the costs that maybe people don't think about with with making wine is the actual selling part of the wine which is it, that requires i mean unless you're doing all direct to consumer that requires someone out there beating the pavement right yeah. who's 
going out to lunch or going and seeing people. I mean, you're talking about hours and hours and hours of billable time for someone to get out and show three wines or something. Yeah. I I mean that, that whole thing of trying to sell into retail and to restaurants. uh, I mean, that's, that's a whole show, you know, I mean the difference with having a distributor and having brokers or, or brokers out selling your stuff um, or I know, you know, I, I've still not gone really gone out and, for the day and like gone around and tried to sell wine since the pandemic, just because it just, I don't know. I I can't really explain why not other than I'm busy enough selling wine the other way and, and just dealing with the winery. But it is, it's something that I, this year, I really hoped that this fall I would have been out, you know, pounding the pavement a little bit. And I just don't think people are doing it as much except for the, except for the people that that's their job. You know, the, the, well, even them, I have reps that are, that are doing the deliveries so right so just making sure it happens huh? they i have reps that are working seven days a week doing the deliveries so they are they aren't even sitting down doing tastings they're just deliver i got a delivery at 9 30 p.m on a friday came right into the restaurant <laughs> of uh it was some papillon you know orange swift or something and he said he said no i don't have time to even sit down and do tastings i hope i do in the future but Right now, I'm just seven days a week. I'm doing the actual deliveries because I don't have a driver. And he works for one of the distributors. Yeah, somebody yeah. big enough to be doing right, right, fucking Lauren Swift. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just hard out there for a pimp right now. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> try to get um, the money for that rent. <laughs> all right. Uh, a shout out to Meg. Meg, there's a shout there's out a that shout you requested. Out. <laughs> yep, yeah. Just straight asking for the shout outs. Just asking for the shout outs. You know, right. I mean. Kevin Burns would do the same thing, I guess. Maybe but, Megan is a is a dedicated wine buyer, so yeah. she wants to shout it, shout out. She gets a shout out. Shout outs and orders that come in at the same time uh, get fulfilled at the same time. Um, Sam, uh, uh, someone was asking. Travis Barkley's asking um, you uh, more cans planned, and then uh, if I'm making another Malbec rosé. Uh, um, Malbec Rosé, probably not. Malbec Rosé, probably not. I, I've, I, it's funny. I have been doing a lot of kind of soul searching about what I would like to make Rosé again, but I don't think Malbec from Sonoma is the right wine to make. You know, for Rosé. Capron. So, um. Anyway, so Cap that's Franck's that's where it's right now. Yeah, same thing. It's too yeah. expensive. Like, really, I think what I'd love to do is source something from out of the area where the grape costs are really reasonable. Um, so you like you'd like to make money and make good rosé at the same time, right? That's exactly weird. Right. What a Tell, novel me, how concept. Train, Tell me how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and t- mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. And on that note, yes, I yeah. am. And making, so how about cans? Let's talk yes, cans. Yes, we're we're making. Uh, I got I had two and a half tons of uh, Ross's Ross Canard's Primitivo, um, and that actually just went into barrel this week or late last week. Um, and we also messed around and made some white wine that's going to go into a can also. I haven't come up with a name for it yet. It's mostly Roussan uh, from the Rossi Ranch, but we bolstered it with some random white grapes from another property that we farm. The mess around. The mess around. Sam, Maybe at any particular time, how many different wines do you have in storage, in <laughs> barrel? Come on, John. No, I'm just wondering. you got a lot of projects. I got a, We got a lot. Um, let's just talk 2021. Um, we have four rosés in production. So that's the can, Adutet, uh, a 
a steel plow Grenache and a Rossi Mavedra. No kosher. No kosher. Um, and then white wine. Why? So that's four wines. White wine. I have the canned white, uh, Viognier, um, Marsan from Simons, and Homage Blanc. So that's eight. Um, and then also being made at by Eric up at, at Reprie is uh, the Super Tuscan. Um, and we brought our Dos Limones Zinfandel up there this year. And our what would be our Sonoma Valley Cabernet is up there, um, and then at Stone Edge Farm. So this is this is my this you're is at twelve now, right? I'm at twelve now? Are okay. you counting? I was because I wasn't counting. Yeah. Well, four <laughs> whites, four rosés, four whites, four rosés, eight, four and then four reds up there, um, and then um, at Magnolia, we currently have. Uh, Two lots of Rossi Ranch Zinfandel. Basically, the Rossi Ranch grapes are all going to Magnolia. So, uh, two two lots of Zinfandel, one from younger vines and one from the old vines that we just brought in. We have a Petite Syrah uh, lot and a Mavedra Syrah. Actually, a Syrah, like a uh, 60% Syrah, 30% Mavedra lot. And then um, also the Oakville Ranch for Adutet is at Magnolia right now and then tomorrow we're going to bring in the rest of Rossi which will probably make another three lots see John this is a complicated question Um, (laughs) I I mean listen I'll I'll tell you somebody I'll tell you I'll tell you what I have right now I so right now I have five current releases we just released two wines and then upcoming wines that haven't not even counting the 21s um, another seven wines and that's for my little brand. And that seems like such a simple, wonderful life, right? I envy you. You know, and then and then and then there'll be uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wines this year. So, um, you know, it, it adds up very quickly. It when does. You start Sam, sitting where's on that wine. Petite Syrah going? Um, the Petite Syrah, we bottle. We'll have a later this year. I'm going to do a all Rossi six pack. Might be later this year, might be early 2022. Um, an all Rossi release that will be Rossi White's um, homage, Odellini, you know, Val Rossi homage, Odellini homage, uh, Rossi Zinfandel, and Rossi Petit Sera. We've done like 25 cases of each. Where did it go so before? Uh, Carlisle, maybe, and maybe uh, Jeff Cohn got some. I'm not. I'm not exactly okay. sure. We the first time we got it was was. I see that as a growing market. Yeah, well, unfortunately, there's not a lot of it growing. Suisun. Right. Suisun. Suisun Valley, whatever. Yeah. Sassoon Valley. Sassoon. As far as Petit Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Petit also will be used in very, you know, in very sparse amounts to blend with stuff too, sure. you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a color fixer. Yeah. It's a it's a major impact wine. Yeah, yeah. use it, a little bit drop here and there. Yeah, literally put a dropper full, and if you want to like pinking up your rosé, unless you're Scott at Mountain Tides, and then right? And then and then your Petit Syrahs looks than like this, that. better than this Pinot that's labeled uh, Syrah. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, anybody want to get into uh, what did your childhood smell like? 
What did my childhood smell like? Oh, Sam. Oops, wrong podcast. Yeah. I can answer it real quick for Brian Wait, and I. What podcast is that? This, this, time, <laughs> this time of year, it would smell like uh, chicken manure in Petaluma um, as they're starting to spread it on the fields. Yes. Uh, so anyway. Always grass um, and hay. Right. Skunks. Uh, think skunks. Yeah, that's what my <laughs> I saw. It's not like skunks and, and natural wine. Right. <laughs> um, uh, what wine have you had that exceeded your expectation the most? Anyone want to uh, who, who asked that? That's a that? great, that great question. It really is. One. Yeah. Exceeded, exceeded expectations. expectations. Huh? I mean, I, I think that's one of the things that we're always looking for, right? I mean, you know, especially when you're you're buying wine and drinking wine in a certain price range, you're looking for something that you know you're looking for that fifteen dollar Cote d'Aron that tastes like a forty five dollar yeah totally. Bottom. I'm gonna go in the opposite direction. Okay, I'm gonna say the 2017 Patrimony Cabernet Sauvignon from Adelaide Hills from Dow. All right, because it was sold to me as 30 months in new French oak. And so I thought it was going to taste like chewing on a stick of wood. And it actually tastes pretty good. All right. <laughs> so it ex- exceeded your it expectations. Exceeded my expectations. I had low expectations. And it was <laughs> actually really, really good. There you go. It's a good one. It's good. Right. Good answer. Um, what else we got? How about... Uh, but it should for $200. Yes, I got one, it so should. I, I posted it on mine also, and um, Kelly, uh, uh, a cork in the road. Yes. Um, buy her cool wine purses if you're looking for holiday gifts for your the wine-loving purse carrier in your world. Um, asked, what's something you wish more people knew about the wine industry as a whole? That's a tough one. I, I can answer right Brian, away. Go. Just from an outsider looking in is the amount of hands that touch a bottle of wine. Mm. I don't think people get that. I mean, I think yeah. when you when you tell the story, they get it. But I, I think most people, the majority of people, don't understand. They think it gets picked by one person, then thrown into a machine, and then kind of somehow machines put it into a bottle. Comes out as wine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I seriously, I think that's what people most people think. You know, I I I also um, I saw Artie Johnson um, a couple weeks ago and. He brought up something that I think pertains to this is that I don't think the general public really knows like how small we are, meaning yeah. our our brands. Like we are merely a grain of sand on the beach when you look at the amount of wine that's made in the world. <laughs> in California. Oh, in Cal- or, or in California. You have a big, I mean, just like, like we're literally, then, man. Yeah, literally a, gra- a grain. Of, and, and he thinks we're doing a very poor job. Letting everybody out there, consumers know that. Know how small we are. How small Coming we are. from a man who doesn't have a website for his wine. I mean, you're talking about Artie? <laughs> yeah. yeah you got to buy it off Facebook. Even, even um, the brands that Artie's associated with on a larger scale, like Staglin. When he worked at Mayakamas, you know, these are giants, towering names in the industry to us. To us. Right. The, and to people who listen to pod, the wine podcast and collect wine, buy wine, and really are grain. Even then, or there, maybe they're like four grains of sand. Right. But they're still just grains they're, of sand on a We beach. are closer to them than they are to 
those Grain other Creek brands. Vineyards. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I tried to send some guests up to Mayakamas like a month ago, and, and they never heard from them again because they're lost on Mount Vitor somewhere. They <laughs> were booked through November. Really? Yeah. This is like a month and a half ago, two months ago. They couldn't get an appointment. Well, I thought I thought it was interesting what the Georgias said on their trip, which up there is that they were surprised at how they were drinking all these back vintages because the current few vintages had all been sold out, you know, because of their hey. success in the you know right. top one hundred and whatnot. Yeah. Open the uh, so. library wines, man. Well, there is, they have a. I mean, they've had they have a lot of library wine to sell. Right. So well, those wines thing. are great. I mean, yeah. my Comus Cabernets are not meant, not made. And have never been made with the intent of, you know, drinking them young. But I'm uh, sure so. a lot of it was in the last year after, uh, you know, after they came right, out. Right, you the... show up on LeBron's Instagram account enough times and people are going to buy them and pop them because yeah. they want to be like, you know, the king. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. That's a good answer. Uh, and then, and then, oh, Rad, uh, Roger Randall, shout out Matt and Cabernet at gmail.com. Uh, Favorite harvest foods and coffee spots. Hmm. Um, the coffee is um, whichever one is the closest to wherever you are. What yeah, happened you, to your equator you, coffee that you were really into? For I'm a still. While? I, I. I. You know. I. I try and mix it up a little bit. I drink. You know. My home coffee is equator. There's a coffee company out of um, Sacramento called Pachimama. Um, that's also all organic, like single origin farmer focused. Um, got some high line coffee or high wire coffee comes out of, uh, Emeryville. The Georges, the Georges, the Georges dropped, uh, the Collectivo coffee on yep. me. Yep, uh, me that's, too. that's what's in this cup right now. Um, you know, uh, actually have you hit, have you hit West side grind? The um, little coffee stand that popped up in—it's it's actually not. Uh, wait a minute. Where where are you no, talking it's about? In in um, uh, I just want to say the driving range. It hasn't been a driving range oh, for like yes. twenty-five years. Yes, I have. I have. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, there. She's doing good Famous coffee in dish. there. Uh, delicious uh, dish. Delicious yeah, dish. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, that's uh, like driving a, right. Okay. Yeah, that's a you know there's there's places you know stopping to get coffee as you're driving through. You know, there's a lot of convenience factors that go into that. Sonoma's um, best is I, there's a lot of coffee that comes out. Of and then on the weekends, Flora Coffee out at yep. Flatbed. Mm-hmm. I mean, shout out to Jeff. I think they do a really good job. I don't, I don't live. And and, and they're actually open. I think on Thursdays and Fridays. Okay. So, um, you know, for lunch, um, for me, if I, I and I have very few reasons. Well, I have more reasons now because Dane's going to school in Santa Rosa. But t- during harvest, if you can drive by uh, Miracle Plum. And pick up that salami sandwich, man. I'm telling you, it's among the greatest sandwiches ever made. How do they do it? Um, you know, and then another sandwich spot. If you get that sandwich, the the, the sandwich over at Ovello. Yeah. You know, oh. I mean, like to grab that and then drive on to your day. Uh, it, porchetta. It gets you through the, por- the porchetta, porchetta sandwich. sandwich. Fucking bomb. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not a light one. Yeah. Shout out John McReynolds and the Stone Edge Farm team. At Stone Edge Farm, you know, it's where I've worked more of my harvests, other than like Katuri Winery as a child. And anytime they're bringing fruit in for Stone Edge Farm, somebody from the Stone Edge kitchens, usually John, makes this like epic lunch that rolls out to the point where like if you work at Stone Edge Farm, you sort of like expect 
there to be lunch delivered while you're crushing grapes. So now, and if it's 16,600 grapes, I have to come up with some sort of lunch uh, solution for the crew. Um, but that's not the like necessarily the, the culture wor- at like Magnolia, where when I bring them lunch when they're processing fruit, that's like the greatest thing that's ever happened, and they weren't expecting it at all. So you know, it, uh, um, but that was a uh, I brought I also brought in a girl in the fig lunch to the Magnolia. Oh, there crew. We go. did the audio tat one day, so that's a shout out to. Uh, John Toolsy and the fig, the fig crew, and, and, and then there's always trucks. yeah. Then there's always in search of the holy burrito, right? Yeah. Or or tacos, you know. Um, uh, Taco so. trucks. I still have are my cool. favorite, and I, I still like won't them. say what it is. Okay, that sounds good. Some, some people out there might know. Yeah, sausage factory. <laughs> um, all right, so let's see. Um, here's one from Jerry Pompa, technical. Tricks to extract more aromatics from a wine. I used the right enzymes already. Well, maybe stop using the enzymes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. Um, I think, you know, a lot of aromatics comes, uh, it's by varietal, um, you know, and I think you get more aromatics from being, you know, less invasive, is that the right word that I'm trying to think of? Intervention. In, yeah, being you know leaving uh, the wines alone, being have a gentle hand. I don't know. You know, maybe this is my like farmer grower centric mindset and answer, but um, I think that if the aromatics aren't there when you're tasting the grapes in the vineyard, yeah. there's almost nothing that you can do in the cellar. That right. That's really about my, I think, right. That's what I say. Leave, the, ar- leave the enzymes right? alone. Yeah. It's kind of like maintaining the aromatics. Like what do you, how yeah. do you maintain those aromatics? Remember when, um, um, David Rossi was here and then he was talking about the Gewurztraminer adding a little bit back in before bottling of his juice, his dry Gewurztraminer his that was dry very sweet. Yeah. Um, or like, a <laughs> using, Barrels that aren't imparting too much oak right. aroma on yeah. the wine. Neutral right? oak, once used barrels. Uh, you know, I, I think carbonic, that, obviously. Um, so just don't try and cover Dallas, it up. Dallas, do some. What you know, you if you're a home field. winemaker and you have the capacity uh, to do like a Dallas Stage, you know, you have to do it intensely. Isabel, you know, Combia, Adutet style, where we're doing multiple Delastage through the through the fermentation, but to do that once or twice, if you can, you know, figure out a way of pumping your juice out and kind of fluffing the, the must and the wow. skins pumping a little bit. Wow, pumping out juice and, and fluffing fluff the this must. Is, yeah. Where is this Excellent. going, Sam? This is, uh, <laughs> well, it's, thought, it's the French method, Brian. It's the French style. I thought that question uh, about we, aromatics we, was uh, a consumer at home trying to just achieve the best. Yeah, no, he, he's actually... Yeah, he's a... Yeah, yeah. So is there anything you can do at home? You just enjoy it, but, it, you know, we've seen those, the... Uh, Aerators. Aerators. Thank you, Tintin. That's good, Brian. The Venturi. Is that a a French style, too, there, Brian? (laughs) That's that's right. (laughs) Do those work and do they help? That is the sound of a fluffer. Gets a little more oxygen in there. You know what? The best thing if you're at home is to have a nice glass. I mean, I know it's like trite and and, um, snobby of the wine where you're like really worried about what glass you're putting your wine into. But if you're worried about the aromatics of your wine that you're drinking at home, 
instead of getting an aerator, you know, you can decant if you want, but just get a really nice glass that, you know, has this tulip shape. will hold the, you know, hold the aromatics in, but also have enough oxygen to let them out. It's, you know, that... Uh, Especially with champagne. Don't drink out of a flute, people. No. Drink out of a small white wine glass. Or even a big, you know, I drink or champagne a big one, out of yeah. these all the time. Yeah, my wife drinks out of a big one. Slam it, dude. <laughs> big gla- you got a big, gla- big glass to have a big glass of champagne, right? <laughs> Um, Sam, I think this one only pertains to you. Um, are you making plans? Are you making concrete plans for any East Coast market trips? Concrete. Uh, not. Whoever this is doesn't know me well enough to know that concrete plans really aren't my specialty. Um, uh, no, not at the moment. Um, you know, our, our main East Coast sales outlet, um, was distributor in New York that went out of business during the pandemic. So I, I don't, if you're listening and you have a distributor in New York, I, I'm talking to some folks, but, um, looking for new, new New York representation, um, and maybe some other places. And, and the thing that I really want to do, and I don't know when we get back to this is, is, you know, the vinyl Sunday road show, right. Taking, right. taking the parties on the road there a little bit. Go. Um, but I'm not, what a great concept. You haven't been on the road, have you? I have not been on a wine sales trip since November of 2019. Almost two years. Okay, this this is one for all of us, and I think we should all think about it and answer it. Oh, and, and we don't it's have not, to do it. Not one of our specialties either. Yeah. Usually um, answer and then think. You get one free ton of grapes to make any wine you want with, but you can't sell it. What is that? Sounds like Rousseau. <laughs> What does that mean? Came in. Well, you cab. can't sell it. So you're making the you wine, but it. you're making it for your own self-consumption. Oh, make Give it to your friends. So whatever. You just yeah, want to I'll do. But came in cab. But again, it's you know one free ton of anything you want. So, you know, there's no. Sam, can I get a ton of Chablis? You, a ton right. of Chablis for you. Right. right. All right. No. Sweet. Yeah. I like minute, this game. Minute to Salon. So Sauvignon yeah. Blanc. But I want it French. Yeah. I mean, you know. I like this. Well, you're making it. So, so, so I gotta fly where there. are the grapes from? And well, no, I think part of the thing is, is that's part of the deal. You get to make it. So if you want to make a French wine, you're going to France and you're making it, but you, you can't, can't sell it. So, so that should so keep you, that keeps you, you from going 50 cases of for the rest of your life that you, so you want something that, you know, ages. you're not going to ages, right? You're going to want something that ferments well in small lots. Um, and you want something that like like you can't you couldn't buy no. you you get to buy anything you want. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm gonna go with my first answer. Give me a Chablis. ton of Chablis. I'm gonna put it into two barrels. I'm gonna you know ferment it. One's gonna be new. One's gonna be you know one's gonna be neutral and one's gonna be once used white barrels. Uh, and I'm gonna age it for nine months and I'm gonna put it in bottles and I'm gonna drink a bottle a week for the rest of my life. There you go. All right, I'm changing my answer. Okay. To White Chateau Neuf. Oh, okay. But if I can't get it, I'll go with the Homage Blanc. All right. <laughs> you can just buy that. <laughs> can buy it. This isn't about buying. Okay. This is about having something you, you would be happy drinking every day. Okay. What is the Bart, most expensive Bart, grape I'm in the world? I'm not there yet. What is the most expensive grape in the world? Yeah. Just wondering. Gotta or be around here anyway. Romane Conti from. But you can't no. buy those grapes. Right. And nobody's selling those. I, I mean, I think it would. It's probably got to be Napa Cab. It's got to be a Napa Cab that 
the crop report would say is, you know, something ridiculous. If I was going to put money on something, I would say uh, Beckstoffer Tokelon. Right. um, Because they charge a sliding rate. It only slides one direction up. But based on... The so if you can't afford it, they charge right, you more? Charge more. Um, no, it's based on what you intend the final price of the bottle to be. Right. So if you're going to put out a $500 bottle, they're going to charge you $50,000 a ton. So, so $50,000 a ton seems like... Ouch. You're talking $1,000 a case and just pure grapes. grapes That's you know, a grape lot costs. of money. It yeah, really is. think about it's that. a lot of money. But if you're gonna make five hundred, you know, if you're gonna make a hundred cases of Beckstoff or yeah. Tokelon and sell it for five hundred dollars yeah. a bottle, you're gonna. There's, I mean, those are those are those numbers add up quickly. And are they sold out? Are they? Look at the corgi. Excellent. <laughs> Gotta love a corgi sighting, man. So I wonder if the, the today's corgi report has been brought to you by Purina dog food. Uh, <laughs> It's nice when the dog's lower to the ground. You don't need such a large bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Do you think they're sold out of that wine? Well, a lot of people do. The Bextor for a $500 bottle. A lot of people buy those grapes. I imagine that there's a list to get on to to be the person who gets to buy them next. Didn't Uh, didn't Tony... Uh, three fat guys did. But I think it's I think it's from a different vineyard. I don't think it's from Backstabber I mean, it's just a matter of, you, you know, trader. do you have the right person and, and are you willing to pay the price? You know? And yeah, they, you know, you probably sell those wines pretty, I don't know. It's it seems like those game, wines sell man. really easily to the people who want to buy them. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's probably all the same hustle. It's just a matter of whether your bottle's $50 or $500. God Strange game. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we talked to uh, Pope, uh, Mark Pope, about neighbor pricing, when he was saying, well, my neighbor's getting $450, right. so I can too. Right. I mean, what the, it just has gotten so out of control. Um, what is an average bottle now at, uh, at retail at the hotel? What's, mean, what is retail? Not so, retail, you mean. So just I mean, like that, on the list? Yeah. So I think our sweet spot, I would say Chardonnay, 100, Pinot, 120 to 150, Cab, 150 to 250. And And how does that differ from, um, say, the Fig, other than Rowan Styles? It's more expensive. I think the Fig probably does, you know, anywhere from 40 to 75 is their sweet sweet spot on a lot of stuff. Yeah, so... Um, um, What's the most expensive McLaren fits right in there at 45 bucks. Currently, it's not like we don't have any Screaming Eagle right now on the list, and I sold all the Harlan. I sold all the Schrader. Like, the most expensive, um, oh, there's some more go, like 05 and 08. Nice. um, That are in the, you know, 600-something. That's not even that bad. No, not at all. No, I've I've been encouraged to, now I'm in the market for the, the big stuff again. Finally. I'll raise some prices if you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> now it's a matter of getting it because, you know, you turn down your allocations you can for a year this. and a half. You can get Sam's. And now it's like, He'll deliver it. <laughs> Just charge more. Paul's white man. <laughs> Paul with no beard. I know. It's like a whole new guy. Um, <laughs> Blanco. So I got an- another question that came out of the the 
Magnolia uh, universe. Um, first of all, shout out to to Jack who assembled a team in there who's just like a crazy experience. Um, people who've worked all over the world, different wineries. Um, one of the people in there, her name is Coral, um, and she wanted to hear the the Adu Tet story and the story about Isabel. We talked about that a little bit when we were in the winery, Coral, so you're getting a shout out on that. Um, but her question is, why is it important to have um, a women's hand in your winemaking? Um, and for me, that question is basically like, why do you want to have balance and multiple perspectives Talent. in your winemaking? Yeah. And that's just because you know people bring different things to the, to the table. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's, I mean, I, and I hope this doesn't come off wrong. I don't think it's a matter of like, uh, having a woman involved or not involved, I think it's just having a good team for your winemaking, right? right? Well and, rounded and well right. rounded, and you know, I worked at a place where it was you know, seventeen guys and we were all pigs, but you know, we made really good wine. And then you know, the next place we had a lot of female input and, and hands on the wine, and we made really good wine. So, yeah. I think it's more a matter of of a team. I'll tell you what I think is really important when you're making wine is I think you have to have people that are actually doing the work that actually drink wine. I don't think, you know, I think because they're paying attention closer if they really love wine. Um, at, at Benziger, a lot of the cellar staff, they for them it was just processing. Like they didn't get off work right. and want to go have a glass of wine and, and talk about it. So there was nuance. I always felt there was nuance lost um, in, in some of that stuff. Um, and if you really love wine when you're making it and you're checking every barrel and smelling every barrel um, and you and you understand it, then you can pick up on things that you can bring to your supervisor and say, hey, I don't think this should go into this tank or I think there's something wrong with that fermenter. And um, I think when people are just processing, um, that stuff is lost. So We've had this conversation before because it, it related to cooks at some of the local restaurants too that – that I've worked with a lot of cooks that have never gone out to dinner. Like they, they don't, they've never been to a nice restaurant. They just, you know, either their family cooks at home or they, you know, um, but, but they don't, you're right. Unless when it's, it's when you get that experience of actually getting something where you go, wow, we should do this. Or um, (laughs) I wish we did something like that. Or I really, I would love to put out a product like that. Um, it's, and it, that's true of a lot of um, cooks here in Sonoma that are just on the line. They're they're basically producing food, but they're it's the executive chef and the executive sous that are the ones that are like going out to dinner all the time and saying, okay, this is what we want to do. But right. but you're right. If they were all sort of like that, that had that passion, yeah, it makes a huge difference. And I I feel like though there is something on there's a responsibility on the people who either own the business or the executives to foster that culture a little right. bit absolutely you know with with wine if you have a winery and you're running a winery and you're not bringing it you know and you guys are doing this all the time at, at with mclaren and jamie and you know bring in cool bottles of wine from all over the world or stuff that you've made that's a you know in the library with some age on it um you know to sort of like foster that um appreciation so that you do have people who like then you know if you don't, you know, you can't necessarily hire somebody because they have a love of wine. You hire somebody because they're really good on a forklift and right. doing pump overs. 
but you can like build some of that and kind right. of catch them a little bit on it, you know. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just really important, and you know, but to go back to her original question, you know, I think it's 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 a different perspective, yeah. right? A, a, a male and a female have different perspective, and I think there's a lot of value in having both of those. Um, there's you know a dollars and cents business side of it too, which is. Um, women drive a lot of the wine buying purchases. Oh, I thought you were going to say we pay women less, so it makes, <laughs> it well, makes more on, sense to have them. On the other hand, <laughs> no, nationwide, that's why we have interns, period. Right. Um, but no, you know, you're making a product that um, if you don't have a, a varied perspectives in the seller making that product... But you're you're gonna lose half of your potential audience, or you can lose half of your potential market. Um, so just being really real with the fact that you know who who makes wine buying decisions and making sure that those types of voices are heard in the production side to make sure that you can sell it <laughs> effectively. I mean, there's totally. I, I mean, you know, not um, you know maybe I'm cynical and and you know too much driven by selling wine, but. Um, at the end of the day, that is the job, that is the goal of all of this we're making to sell it to people. Um, On the other, speaking hand, of which, part what are you pouring? <laughs> <We're here. laughs> well, you, I mean, I, I would say, but that also goes back to that thing of like the grain of sand, right? Right. You we're know, because because how many, how how, how many? Um, Tango first. That's what he's drinking. I'm pretty sure. Um. Yeah, I've tasted both of them. Both. Right. I've tasted both of um, them too, but I don't taste them again. Right. Um, you should. You, what, should what, what, you should buy them right after you buy my wine. Right. Exactly. <laughs> after you drink your Roussard. Right. But don't buy too much. Now. Don't buy too much of Sam's wine because these are really good, and you're going <laughs> to need room in your cellar. Um, and we're, well, there's a box shortage coming too. So. <laughs> um. All right. So let's see. Any more questions? It's totally distracted ourselves mm. there's a good question from uh, plant girl from leslie herndon um what was the last memorable bottle of wine you had to drink and why i have a, I, maybe i just like this question because i have a great answer total humble brag answer not even humble i i um i i had recently had a bottle of um dan petrosky's Masakin the Sauvignon Blanc, oh. and it made a memory to me because the um, acid on it just tore the enamel off my teeth. Do you think it was <laughs> naturally occurring or added? What? I don't know. Hmm. But it was really good. Where did you get but it? It was wine. unbelievable. What did you say? Where did you get this wine? Brian's like, I want that. Um, I want my, the acid. They have it. Uh, Sonoma's Best has it. That's what. A um, number of other places. It's it. it's really good. It's a total you wine. I I think I think it could be natural because I looked up. We had this with our group discussing it. You know, with Steve and Jamie. Um, I looked at some of his picking dates, and it was um, like picked on August third. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, I think it could be natural acid. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, what about you? Let's hear yours. Uh, I had my first 82 Bordeaux experience, oh. uh, which completely lived up to the hype. Ooh, um, yeah. the, out of the uh, the largesse of the cellar of uh, uh, Jim Montazzi, nice. who was possibly showing off for potential future podcast guest Antonio Galloni. Oh. Um, well, just here, wait, wait. Clink, no. clink, 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 ding, clink, ding. clink. Um, but yeah, so that was, and you know what? 
Um, I looked up the bottle. It wasn't like it, you know, it was Grand Cru, but it wasn't necessarily you know a giant giant name. Uh, maybe if you're like a Bordeaux head, it's a bigger name. I don't really know these things about Bordeaux, especially sort of classic Bordeaux. Um, but you know, so you can find this bottle. It's not cheap, but you could find it for six or seven hundred dollars, um, which for an eighty-two Bordeaux is probably oh, like yeah, it's a on. value kind of purchase. Um, so those wines get really expensive. Those guys, wines get those, really expensive. Those Marcos really are instantaneously four hundred dollars easy, instantly. Yeah. So, you know? um, so that was that was a very memorable wine bottle experience. Um, only only um, the only way you could follow up the crazy bottle of champagne that Jim brought out uh, before that. Uh, yeah, Brian, what about you? I'm just looking through my feed, seeing what right. I've been drinking. <laughs> if lately. you have to look through your feed to remember it, then it I wasn't mean, that memorable. Oh, we had a nice uh, Margo with uh, duck and uh, lamb down in Carmel. Beautiful. Yeah. That's what I enjoy. Okay, I got another question while Brian comprehends or Brian tries uh, to remember contemplates his. Most memorable thing. Yes. <laughs> um, Contemplating his navel. Uh, what's the most surprising thing you have learned from a guest? Over all of these years, Ooh. wow! And we've had a lot of guests. We've had a lot of guests and a lot of surprises. Dude, the the guy who was on that was telling us about soil and experimenting in different countries and remember, are you talking about um, Reed Griggs? Yes. Oh yeah. This guy, I'm fascinated with this dude. Well, he makes your favorite California cabinet right. that, that hasn't even doesn't been even have a fucking label on it yet. Right. Well, that's because there's no paper apparently. But it, but he he blew my mind. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just the recent surprises. That was that's one the um, the the oh, birdhouse oh. giant zip giant plastic bag. That was cool. Conversation mm-hmm. blew right. my mind. Yeah, and then to actually see it live on yeah, Instagram. Just, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I still don't still haven't quite wrapped my head yeah, around no, that one. Um, like you have a perfectly good bin, why are you gonna put it in a plastic bag? Yeah, surprises I mean, from uh, guests. You know that's the thing about all these guests. Like the really good ones, the good shows, the good guests have surprises in all their answers. Right. You know, I mean that's what the we're just like changes your the way you think about something at least for at least for that hour and a half. I mean, I I will say probably one of the coolest things about this whole thing for me has been learning all these different perspectives from all these people and um, being able to think about, you know, how they relate to my own winemaking and things that, you know, goals of my own, you know, style and, and whatnot. So it's awesome. Totally. Free education. Right. Well, such a vast difference in the people we have talked to from bird horse to the side of, uh, Glentucky Farm. I mean, we've had a wide range of guests. It's fascinating. Surprise a minute. To surprise a minute around here. Even surprised by 2014 California Syrah that tastes like Pinot Noir. Right. <laughs> what was the date on this? 2014. 2014. It's, got, it's got a little it's age. Just, it's just a, it just looks like this tiny midget bottle, almost a half bottle. It's just got that look, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Still. That's a weird situation. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, you know, this Contango wine keeps 
blowing my mind at how much people are enjoying it and it makes me really good and i know it's because i over the entire time that it was aging in barrels i've overthought it the entire you know four years um but i also think that it needed that amount of time to actually taste good um so but it's very it's very nice to see i mean we haven't even started selling it to you know from the release it's just been podcast listeners who have been kind of on the Lucky inside that have, huh? well, isn't that kind of like the whole idea of a contango is you kind of get in on something before it's worth too much yeah something like that yeah something like that so anyway so that's been that's been great instruments. um but now i want to taste the um i want to taste a little bit of italy here in sonoma montagna di sonoma but is montagna that's is that italian or is that spanish Montana well, it's, sounds. It's, it's spelled with the G N, making it the Italian spelling. Right. <laughs> Montagna, Montagna, you know, lasagna. That that sounds. Montalania. So, Sam, speaking of your heritage, your family heritage, um, did you guys see the excavation in Israel of the old winery? No. I think it just happened yesterday. I think they've been excavating this. Usually my father-in-law sends me these articles from, you know, like whatever Israeli magazines and newspapers right. he reads online. So it'll be there by the end of the show. Okay, probably. cool. It's super cool. They they basically have unearthed a wine production facility from 1,500 years ago that was doing mass production for the time hmm. um, wines. And it's 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 like... Two different and there's places one for of crushing. Left there, yeah, right. right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and all the old amphoras and. Um, Where exactly? Well, it's. Do we know? They, they said the wine used to be listed as Gaza, but I'm not sure if it's exactly in Gaza. Well, there's not a whole hell of a lot of land there anyway. So they're they, they were um, they're like putting in a road or something. So they were doing some digging and then found something, and so then they brought people into. I mean, I have the. I can tell you exactly. Yeah, fifteen hundred year old wine so factory discovered in Israel. In Yavne, Y A V N E. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite places. Right. <laughs> What's the blend on this? Uh, eighty percent Sangiovese, twenty percent Cabernet. Like. Four bins of Sangiovese and one bin of Cabernet. Or maybe four tons of Sangiovese and one ton of Cab. But the Cab is not from Dos Limones. The Cab is not from Dos Limones. The Cab is from that same vineyard that I can't say. Right. <laughs> hmm. Oh, it's from, from... It's from the Moon Mountain oh, okay. District vineyard. Yeah. Hence, Montaña de Sonoma. Sonoma Mountain and Moon Mountain. Right. All right, let me just tie this up really quick, and then, I'll, then I can taste the wine. So... Okay. Archaeologists found a large complex of five wine presses, four large warehouses where the wine was aged, kilns where the clay wine jugs were fired, and tens of thousands of broken pieces of jugs. They estimate the winery produced between two to three million liters of wine a year. Unreal. So two to three liters, so three million liters, say, and it's nine liters to a case. So if they're making, they're making 300,000 cases a year. That's what they're making. Not bad, huh? It's pretty good. Fifteen hundred years ago. Fifteen hundred so years. So you're ago. talking about five hundred? Probably, probably some long lost relative of Fred Francia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, this wine is really good. 
Thank you. This is really, really excited to get a love, label on it. Love <laughs> the it's, taste uh, of this. This is 2018. Nice. No. This is 2019. Wait a minute. It's 2019. 2019. We did One or the other. It's 2019. And we have 2020 of it that we're still unsure on then. We you know, it's it, it's um, it's a departure from all your other wines. Um, so I think it's a really nice addition to the portfolio. Uh, Another one. Another project. Yeah, no. <laughs> we didn't get, I didn't even make it to the end of my list, John. Well, you were about 24, <laughs> and that, you were adding some yeah. things. So, yeah, I mean, you got 30 projects uh, going at one time. You know, and, and going back to that question about having uh, a woman's hand in production, think of what Isabel Gassier brought to the mix and right. why that was so important and and um yeah no there's a, a wealth of experience and perspective that somebody like isabel brings um there's a there's a attention to detail and attentiveness um and, but i'm not you know that's not to say that um any gender owns that um, it's a personality. It's a personality. It's what thing. she yeah. she herself brought to um, it. She, he, they, them. Right. There's, there's yeah. However, however, just, you know, however, no, you just need yeah, you need it. people like that. It's, it's called in, reality, in folks. Wine and this is and, life. You know, some of the people. And Isabel's maybe one of the the rare people, and this is you know why she's as talented as she is, and is going to go as far as she's going to go. Uh, that have both that level of like attentiveness and attention to detail on the scientific side, but also the, the palette and artistic side. Um, you know, usually you have to cobble together a team that fills all those. Well, it's, it's nice that it reflects reality these days. And, you know, I mean, in a, in the totally male dominated world at that point, I'm glad that, uh, she's here. Believe me. Well, well she's she actually she's not here. Not here, she's not right here. now. But she will no. be here. She's coming, supposedly. I'll believe it when I see, you know, a text after, um, after she's on an airplane. But uh, supposedly is coming. After harvest? Uh, you know, the harvest in France has not been wonderful. Um, so oh, I think so. she's excited to... The, when we talked to her a week ago, they'd gotten like 10 inches of rain in the last three weeks or something uh, on top of like frost in the spring. And it's just, you know, one of those one of those rough years there. Um, I think she's excited to get out here at the end of this month and get into some dry sunshine. Maybe she'll bring rain with her. That'd be really even the best. Would be cool. Um, but, you know, she's still um, very actively involved in the production of of Adutet as well as other 16600 rosé and, and red wine, you know, Rhone varieties, um, just uh, from 6,000 miles away. So we get emails, we have phone conversations, she sends us very specific instructions that we try to follow um, and also try to adjust for reality on this yeah, side of the I, I, I know two um, people who've gone to Paris in the last couple of weeks. So, so it's, it's starting to happen. Yeah. It's starting to happen. You know, Isabel's a... Has an American passport, so she can fly here and and not worry about it. But um, you know, we're be happy to get her back out here. It's, it's only been it's only been a few months, but it's been too long. So tell us what the hell we've done wrong. to see if we're on the right track <laughs> or what. No, she'll tell us. She'll definitely tell us what we did wrong. How can you screw something up that she started? 
<laughs> wow. Uh, Do we have time for a whole yeah. other show? Yeah, did did you not hear that whole thing about um, very specific directions that have to be then altered for reality? Uh, for reality? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's winemaking in a, in a nutshell right there. I mean, you can have all the intentions. Real clear um, plans. Right. And, right. Oh, that's funny. I mean, yeah. we used to have the, you know, Mike Benziger made all the winemakers submit their winemaking plan for each, you know, wine, not each individual wine, but each wines. And they had to be very, very specific. And there was always the argument like, but what if this doesn't work out this way? Right. And it's like, well, that's why. Not if, though. It's right? not it's if. What it's happened when. when this doesn't work right. out this way. You have to, you know, the wine industry has known has known the word pivot for a long time. Right. All right, guys, want to talk about Petrus in space? Do it. Go, Brian, go. Is, so, this, is this an acid-driven conversation? <laughs> they, they took some Petrus. Who's they? They would be for France. Real. France. Um, sent it up, um, and it was on the International Space Station for one year. And then brought back, and then professional tasters tasted it alongside of bottles of wines that had not been flown into space. Were you there? I was. <laughs> As a taster, go on, Brian. I, I was not. Don't let him. Don't well, let him. What do you? Him. What do you think? Uh, what What would you think the results would be? Well, I mean, right. What did they say after um, the astronaut was in space for a year? He came back, and they say, "What you're." you typically become more aged was that what it was well no i think so in space what happens is your your muscles atrophy so then they have exercise equipment up there which they had to figure out to tie down to the space station in the right way because first it was treadmills and they would find that actually the space station would rock and you uh, anyway it's really really weird um but no you you just atrophy okay um but for but think of Think in terms of zero gravity. Yeah. What would the difference be between a bottle of wine sitting in your cellar on its side and then a bottle of wine in zero G? So, so it never settles. So, yeah, you're, doing, you're in like, what is it doing to sedimentation? And, you know, part of the whole thing is tan molecules finding each other and falling out of suspension that like never falls out of suspension right so maybe it ages slower it aged quicker it aged quicker yeah i was thinking tannin integration so like instead of it you having the bottle where that's tannins are settling down to the bottom of the bottle they're constantly in suspension yeah right kind of like stirring a wine on the lees right like it's just right it would be the same as if it well then it goes back to that that aging your wine in the ocean. That's the where I was going. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, that would, you know, it would not allow it to settle, um, obviously. And you um, also, like, have to fucking get it to space and then get it back, which is, like, a pretty violent experience. You would think. It's, like, hard on human bodies. Right. What's it doing to a bottle of wine, you know, because it's zero G there. Once right. you're there, but, but, but it's definitely not seven zero, pulling seven G's, yeah, on the way nine down, G's. I don't know what on, on the takeoff. Yeah, Sam, why don't you uh, send William Shatner some? He's he's going up this week, and <laughs> he can minutes. he can take um, sixteen six hundred. See up. these memes that are going around that that everybody should put on like a Planet of the Apes mask <laughs> for when he gets back to Earth. Oh my god. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, a lot happened while you were gone. Christ, the guy's like 90, <laughs> too. It's pretty amazing. It will be the oldest person in space, right? Yeah. Is that the... Yeah. He's up there. He's on the list of people that keep going into space that maybe shouldn't come back. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're, if you're Captain Kirk, I'd probably just bury me up there, man. Let right? Float yeah, Captain around. Kirk should probably be sent out into yeah, space. As his, I like, drank bite. lots of Petrus on the <laughs> space station. Open the lock. <laughs> Open the lock. Let him go. Yeah, totally. God. Just float on at the Viking, the, the space Vikings funeral. Sam, what are you going to sell this wine for? I don't know. How much did they sell this wine for, Brian? $1,000. I don't know. <laughs> there it is. Bingo. You could buy this or you could buy your Petrus. Tell me what you want. Uh, no, you know, I think it's... Uh, where are we priced everything else? Probably in the About 60s. 100? Oh, no. You think? Well, that's 100 Yeah. All right. 88 yeah. Same price as a bottle of Audi Fancy bottle? No, it's in a normal... It's on our normal uh, uh, Bordeaux Claret bottle. Um, wait, wait, well, well, sorry, I should have asked. How much do you have? I have <laughs> seventy supply and demand cases. Seventy, uh, so yeah. ninety dollars. Ninety dollars. Yeah, no, I think it's probably ninety. I mean, yeah. the cost of the Cabernet that went in there was a lot more than the cost of the Sangiovese. Yeah. But um, and then you know we did. Uh, but there was less. We of did it. some. There was less of it. We did some large barrel aging. We did some some punching aging on it. Uh, I don't know. You know. Pricing wine is always difficult for me. I'll 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 uh, put some numbers into a hat, shake it around, pull them out, and Paul, what happened to your face? Pablo Blanco <laughs> shaved for the playoffs, maybe. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> what are you, what are you just talking to you? you want to come on and explain being explain this situation? Explain why? Yes. You, uh, <laughs> no, you know what, Paul? That's not fair because I have to say you you look good, man. You look younger. You know, listener questions. Uh, why did Paul White shave his face? Pablo, Pablo Blanco. Blanco. Well, it was getting a <laughs> if you can't hear it, gray around the muzzle is the answer. <laughs> gray around the muzzle. Every silver lining's got a touch of gray. <laughs> gotta love it. All right. Do we have shout outs? Today? Do we have, uh, are, we, are we all? This was basically an, one up? big shout out this entire yeah, it has. This entire episode. Are we out of questions? I think we got. I think we are. We, we really answered uh, all the questions. I do like that Lassiter uh, water bottle that Bart's got. This oh. is nicely designed. Good one. Yeah, it's like every other thing they did black with gold. Same yeah. emblem, same everything. Freebies. I need a sticker to put over that. I so. got stickers. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Any other any other answers? Hey, I mean, I carry a Starbucks. No, that's so it. Can I do? We got. Um, yeah, I think we did. Thank you for sending in your sending in all your questions out there in the world. Absolutely appreciate it. A La- little uh, last minute. We're working on getting some guests back. We'll be rolling in with some guests. Hopefully, starting with next next week. Well, yeah. it hasn't been busy at all, has it? Last month, no, no. It, you know, it's it was. This has been a sort of weird harvest. There's been some times where it's been insanely busy, and then sometimes we're kind of like waiting around for things to happen. Um, but uh, it's by be the busy time this week. we record next, I think we'll have picked all the grapes for sixteen six hundred. Yeah, I'll be. I'll by the time. By the time this hits... Rossi, the last thing you have left? No, I have um, Lazy Dog Cab, but that's on Friday. So tomorrow Tomorrow. and Friday, that's it. Yeah, the end is near. 
There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. It could be a train coming for us head on, but right. there's light at the end of the tunnel. Where's Lazy Dog? Uh, Lazy Dog, remember uh, we had Steve Waymeyer on? Below Bart's house. Yeah. Oh, well, Grove probably and, closer to your house. Grove and Carragher. Shout out to all the um, winemakers who've had to travel all over the state for the last oh, yeah. two months. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yesterday was the second time that I was able to walk to uh, the picket at you know Bill Walsh's property. Right. You know, getting up in the morning, walking your dog with a cup of coffee to the picket, and showing up on time is uh, a luxury that definitely don't take for granted when you're driving all over the state for your, you know to find your Syrah or whatever. Um, it would be really fun to do that in another life, but nah. yeah. Um, you know, are you gonna ride your bike down the hill to your Waymire, your Lazy Dog? How would he get back up? That's the fucking problem, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then how um, do you bring your two? T- how do you bring your two bins of Cabernet in by bike? By bicycle? Yeah. If you were yeah. Mike the Baker, you could do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that my biking career is coming back here now, so. Well, we can once harvest is over, we can all heal heal our, heal ourselves, right? Yeah. And fight a little at a time, right? And healing. What's your shout out to John's other podcast? Getting well, in getting America. well. Yeah. We'll, all, we'll all get well in I November. Four hundred eighty-seven people listened last week. I was, I was amazed awesome. at that. That's that's great. And you've done like it eighteen. Seems like you started man. like two weeks ago. You've done eighteen, 18 episodes. Yeah, it's amazing. Jesus so, Christ! I don't know. The hell are we doing? Working, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, exactly what you're doing. Working, driving children around. I'm the old, I'm the old retired guy. No kids, no job, man. No income, however. That's that's what sucks. So, however, I do get to go to the fig Thursday. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. John Jones' birthday, right? Yeah, mine. Your and, birthday. And and uh, John Toolsy helped me get that. So thank you, John. Much appreciate. He helped you get a reservation? Yeah. What a nice guy. It was. Helped you get a reservation at his restaurant <laughs> where you're going to go spend money. I, I appreciate it because I couldn't get in. They wanted me there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I thought that was a little early. Right, you're, not that, you're not that old not yet. A, yeah, right, exactly. 72 here. So. Close to the bathroom, please. <laughs> Absolutely. So I can use my walker. God. God. You know, I've been in there with a walker. That's a scary thing, so... Uh, right. Shout outs. How about shout outs to all the um, guests that have been here um, visiting? Mm. Um, and uh, I, there's still a bunch coming in yeah. over the next um, we got couple a Rob months. Rob Wildman coming inbound. Yep. Yep. We got... Oh, the Bix party here was wild that day. We're still recovering from Bixby's visit. Jeez. I, God. <laughs> those, those guys were fun. I, I don't think that guests are allowed at the winery anymore because of Bixby's <laughs> group, you know? <laughs> That's an off, that's an off air story for sure, <laughs> and I and I still see people that come up to me at the hotel that are like, "Hey, you Brian Casey? Yeah, hey, I listen to the show," and then they'll come up to me. Or just a couple of weeks ago, a guy came up. I was doing the wine tasting. He came up and he said, he just had a glass of the Roussan. He said, "Like the Roussan." Cool. Wait, are you are you do you pour the Roussan at the restaurant? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. God bless. Yeah, along with that, seventeen. 16600 so Zinfandel probably. and then we sell some Dane Sellers cab uh, Moon the, Mountain too are, are we still doing the Rusan tap we're closing the pool closing the pool yeah so I'm trying not to go long on kegs because I don't want to have them sitting in a cooler for two or three months so 
um, just stopped ordering kegs altogether because I'll just transition to bottles. But I, I think I was told the end of the month, that's it. And then the pool will still be open, but there won't There's be anyone out no there. There won't be anyone working at it. So, no, I'll have to retool next year. Well, if anybody needs a keg of rosé, call me. I got a couple left. <laughs> yeah, those rosés, I, I can't tell you how many times I had threw them into a recycle bin and then they would end up back in the pile of kegs like someone thought it was a mistake. Because you can't tell whether they're full or not. <laughs> no, because people aren't used to throwing them away. We have normal kegs. Oh, right. The, and like, then the your return, kegs. The return right. kegs. And I'd, yeah. so then I'd, I'd finally I'd get tired of looking at them, so I'd throw them in the recycle bin myself. And then I'd come back the next day, and they'd be back out Somebody in the pile of kegs. Of yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just you have loyal, efficient employees who are I guess so. working hard yeah. to do the wrong thing. Yeah. Ain't that America? <laughs> <laughs> For you and me. <laughs> Something to see. <laughs> Home of the free. Wow. Little pink houses, right? Yeah. Go Giants. Go Giants. <laughs> go Giants. Go. Let's, yeah, let's just Hopefully finish this shit the, up yeah. tonight. I would actually like to see it in L.A. Oh, yeah. Just, just stick in the big. Rush some Take souls. it in three. I, I, I do have, you know, I, I, going into this, you're like, it has to go five games, though, right? Right. I mean, everything about this season... 107 wins to 106 wins. Right. It went down to the very last freaking game of the season to know whether we're going to do 100 game 163 or not. I, I think it's got to go. You know, as much as I would love to win tonight, by this time, I think by I think when this podcast drops, we'll all be getting ready for game five. Yeah, there's some angry no, game five Dodgers Thursday right now. Uh, yeah, last night they angry could at the not win. have been. No, there, yeah, there's some angry pout, batters pout. that are going to try and put a crush on tonight. But we'll see. Well, that's then, you know, that's a good time to throw a changeup. Um, <laughs> what time did the game get over last night? I don't know, but I loved watching Camilo pitch oh, Camilo eight and nine. Man, I love that guy. And, and you know, it looks like he's throwing pitches, and the reaction on his face it must be, you know, spring training. Right. <laughs> it's like March fifteenth. Right. Let, his let level, me adjust my hat of, one more time. His level right. of like mm-hmm. give a fuck looks right. like. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking love it. It's awesome. All right. Go Giants. Thanks, guys. Thank you, John. See you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Cool.